So it took five weeks, but we finally did it. We beat the game. Yeah. Hey, how are you guys doing? Everybody good? Welcome to Cape Christian. I know it's already been said. Uh, if you're visiting or you're new, uh, you need to know that we are in week five of a five-week series called Gamer. And we've been kind of looking at this beautiful Mario world that came out in 1985, 80s, 80s children. Uh, and we've been making uh, connections and imagery to life and following Jesus. So often in the New Testament, when Jesus and Paul and the apostles were explaining what it meant to be a God follower, to be like Jesus, they would use modern day allegories and stories. They would say the kingdom of heaven is like, and then they would talk about merchants or women who lost a, a, a coin in their house or, or a, a farmer who planted seeds. And so that's all we're really doing is, but we're doing it in a language that makes sense to us. And the kingdom of heaven is like this Mario world. And so for four weeks, we talked about that the kingdom of heaven is like Mario world and that you have to have a purpose bigger than yourself to live for. We, the second week we talked about it's, it's like Mario world in that sometimes you have to hit the pause button if you're gonna make it through this thing. Uh, we talked about it's like Mario world the third week because the whole game is basically one obstacle after another and so often life can feel like one challenge or one obstacle after another. And then last week we talked about the kingdom of heaven is like Mario, because just like Mario, there's some, some power-ups that really help you through the hard stuff, and God gave us his Holy Spirit. And if we ask, he's gonna continue to fill us, amen? That's right. And so that leads us to week five. The last week, we're wrapping it up. And, and if you've ever played Mario, you know you got to just see it. It's all about getting that flag, right? This is the whole goal. You beat those levels, you conquer, you go over and under and through and whatever, and then at the end, you jump on that pole, you grab that flag, and that flag signifies we did it, we made it. Now, often it's like, oh, I gotta go on to the next level. But eventually, there's no more flag, you save the princess, and, and you get to the end, it's, and it's all done. And, and Jesus actually talked about this as well. Crazy, right? It's all in the Bible, it's all there. Uh, and Jesus uh, talked about, What's our flag? What is the we did it? What is, is there a time in our life? Is there a time in eternity where we get there and, and, and we feel like we accomplish it? We save the princess, we grab the flag, we get to say our quest is over. And in fact, the disciples that were Jesus' followers had this very question. If you look in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, this is what the conversation is about. And um, it, again, this is right before Jesus is, uh, is about to die on the cross and ascend to heaven. And, um, and it says, as Jesus was sitting in Matthew 24, verse three, it says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming to the end of the age? Because Jesus has just talked about the fact that he's gonna come back one day and this is all gonna be over. So they're actually asking, what's the accomplishment? What's the end game? And so Matthew 24 and 25 is him telling these different stories about what it's like. And so um, he goes on and uh, in Matthew 25, he tells a, a story about uh, 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 these three different stewards. One gets 10, five talents, one gets two, and one gets one. But he talks about how it's all about taking care of whatever you were given while you're here. And then he goes into another story about the end of the time when God comes back, he's gonna separate everybody into two groups. Uh, the, the, the people, one people are gonna be like, uh, it says like a, a shepherd would separate sheep from goats, which they did back then. I don't know that we do now. They kind of all sound the same. Uh, but he says, and he's gonna look at one group and he's gonna look at the sheep and he's basically gonna say, hey, well done, you did it, you took care of me. In fact, he says in Matthew 25, it says he's gonna say to those, the sheep, those on his right, he's gonna say, come, those, who you are, those of you who are blessed by my Father in heaven and take your inheritance with me, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. There's so much in this, but we're gonna cruise through it. He says, come, you, I've literally, since the beginning of time, I've been building your inheritance. The kingdom is now here. And he says, and then Jesus is gonna say this. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. 
I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me and I was in prison and you visited me. Now it goes on and they're like, Jesus, when were we, we don't remember you ever getting arrested or being naked. Like we would have said something, they kind of go into that. And he goes, he said, well, it's not really about me, but he says, here's what you need to know about what my kingdom is like. He said, as much as you've done any of the things I just said to the least of the people on the planet, it's just like you did it to me. And so Jesus makes it very clear that his kingdom from start to finish, the end game, the end goal is this never stops being about helping and taking care of people very especially the least of these. And so he, so he says then he, he says at the end of that, if you do that, you're gonna get to take the inheritance. When he was talking about the stewards, he says it this way. He says, the master, who, the ones who have stewarded well the opportunity they had in this life, the master's gonna look at them and he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you've been given much, you've done what, because you've been responsible for what I've given you, I'm gonna give you more, take my inheritance. And so I wanna talk really briefly about those three words, good, faithful, servant, because the flag in, in life, the flag in Mario is a big M and you go to the next level. In the kingdom of God, following Jesus, it's literally these three words. What's the game? What's the end goal? What's, what am I going for? You know what we're all trying to strive for is someday Jesus stands across from us when this whole thing is over and he's gonna say, well done, good, faithful servant. He's not gonna call us by our nationality. He's not gonna call us by our gender. He's not gonna call us by our business title. He's not gonna call us by our marriage title. He's not gonna call us by our parenting title or our son or daughter title. He's gonna call us good and faithful servant. And here's what I want you to take away um, because in a minute, we're gonna have a conversation about this, but I wanna give you just a little bit of insight to those three words, what Jesus meant, the original language. When he said good and faithful servant, he said that's the end game. That's the goal. That's the prize. So how do we live as good and faithful servants, and what is that even anyway? Well, what that is, is the first word when he says good, that word good in the original language literally means this idea of acceptance of communal responsibility. What a great, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm a good person. It doesn't mean, oh, I live less evil than others. It actually means I take and accept responsibility for whatever community, community I planted in. By the way, it's the same thing God said to Adam in Genesis when he's like, hey, work the garden and take care of it which means just be in charge and be around and make better wherever I plant you. It doesn't matter wherever you're at, just do it, wherever it's at. So it's this idea of, of a good a good servant, somebody who's good in, in Jesus' eyes is somebody who says, hey, my city, my responsibility, my, my, uh, my, my community, my responsibility. And, and I love what Dennis just prayed, if you caught it, he said, may, we, may our actions speak louder than our words. It's not just having a stance on something, it's actually doing something. My dad always used to say, talk is cheap, you show me some action. And, uh, and so that's when Jesus talking, a good servant, a good steward, isn't just somebody who's like, oh, he's kind of a good person. Uh, it's, I actually am doing something about the problems in my community and trying to be a solution to it. We as a church try to endeavor to do this uh, regularly. And then he says, faithful, good and faithful. And I love the, 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 the definition of faithful in this context. So first of all, as, a good, as somebody who's good, it means I'm gonna accept responsibility. As somebody who's faithful, this is the crazy hard part, and this is what separates Jesus and his followers probably from everybody else as far as I can tell. Faithfulness is simply staying true to one another regardless of who they are or how they behave. A faithful servant in the kingdom of God 
doesn't care what color you are, what degree you do or don't have, what side of the tracks you grew up on, how long your rap sheet is, what you may or may not have done, what you may or may not have experienced, how much money you do or don't have. It, it's all about being true and being good to one another, regardless of who they are or, or what they have done, how they have behaved. Jesus was notorious for taking not great people and saying, follow me, and they became great and did great things. He didn't require them to clean up and then follow him. He said, follow me and I'll clean you up. Come on, somebody. And so if we can get that in the right order, we understand a faithful. So Jesus is looking for some good people, some people who will take responsibility for the community he's planted you in. And he's looking for some faithful people going, I will be true and I will be good to people regardless of how they behave or what they could maybe even ever offer me. And then I love that he uses the word servant. Because the word servant, that's, that doesn't take a lot of Greek to know that one. Uh, it's literally just being under somebody's control. But here's the beautiful thing about being a servant to Christ. He's never gonna oppress you and he might be the only one. He's never gonna leverage his power and demand or demonstrate it over you. He's gonna invite and he's gonna let you willingly surrender. And so it's this idea of I'm willingly under Christ's control. He's never gonna demand it. I think every other entity on the planet will, but Christ is saying, I, will, I have bigger plans for you. I will do more with you, but you have to surrender to me. I'm never gonna make you surrender. Uh, it's, it's why Paul in almost all of his letters doesn't just, when he introduces himself, he never says I'm a Jew. He never says I'm a Roman. He brings that up later. He always introduces himself the same way in all of his letters in the New Testament, a bondservant of Christ, a bondservant, meaning I willingly surrender myself. I follow Jesus and his word and that's what I am about. And so this idea, what does it look like? How do we get here? By the way, I just gave you the whole message. Uh, good, faithful servant. What's the end goal? What's the game? And the beautiful thing is there's so many ways to do this. You can do it uh, in a career, you can do it as a family person, you can do it single, you can do it married, you can do it young, you can do it old, you can do it in school, you can do it retired, you can do it working. Jesus is just looking for a kingdom full of good and faithful servants and at the end, based on not what we believed or what we said, but actually how we took care of people, what we did, he's gonna have the ability to look at us and go, well done, good and faithful servant. You took, you took care of your community, you didn't, you didn't judge and treat people differently based on the way the world puts them into systems. And you, you willingly made my, your life about my life and my kingdom. Because of that, you're, there is an inheritance for you and me forever. And ultimately, what Jesus is gonna look at us at the end of the day, when, when this whole thing is over, whether he comes back while we're still alive or, or we get the upgrade before then, however that works, he's gonna look at us and he's basically gonna say, hey, come be with me forever because what was the most important thing to me was the most important thing to you you took care of people. And so that's the message. Now we got 25 minutes left. And so what I wanna do is have a conversation about what does that look like in our life? And I thought it would only be appropriate. This is Pastor Joseph and Sierra's last weekend here. They're leaving uh, this weekend, literally. They're packing up and he's gonna go take a church. And so I thought it'd be great for him and I one more time to tag team a message. And so I'm gonna invite Joseph out here. Come on out, Joseph. And we're gonna talk about this. Um, because... I've known, I've known him for almost 10 years, and this is something that him and his wife have embodied, and it's something that they're uh, endeavoring to continue to do, and it's what you're walking into. Uh, and so we want to give you three practical applications uh, that I think is going to be really helpful. We, we're really fanatically practical here, uh, and so we want to always give you something to apply. But what good, in the endeavor to be a good and faithful servant, what does that look like? And so we want to give you just three ideas or three observations of what good and faithful servant looks like lived out in our life. And so I'm gonna give you three things. If you're a note taker or a rememberer or a forgetter or whatever, I'm gonna give them to you either way. 
Uh, and so what does it look like in that? And I'm gonna, I wanna just have you kind of talk about your journey. We're gonna wrap, the, wrap about this for a minute. Um, and so the first thing is this. When, when it comes to Jesus' kingdom and being a good and faithful servant, what makes that so different than the world, the first observation is that who I become is as important, maybe more important than what I do. Who I become is as important as what I do. We live in a world that we just get defined by what we do, but Jesus says who, the character and, the, and who you are and, and the, the person, the essence of who you become is at least as important as anything you ever accomplish. And so um, I know that for you, that's been a big part of your story because that, that one principle has led you to decisions that were about following Jesus where maybe the world would have said, ah, you should do something different. So talk about what that's looked like. Um, in fact, most people don't know this about you. I don't even know that you've ever talked about it here, but right out of high school, you gave up your first year of adult life and went to live in China for an entire year. Uh, you raised your own money, and it was literally just to serve and try to reach some college students for Jesus at 18 years old. Like, talk a little bit more about that and how that principle started to come to play out even in your early adult years. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I think when I first finished high school, I graduated a little early at 17. I went and did business administration for one semester and then went and did a discipleship program like the Leadership College here for a year. When I finished that, decided to go to China. And um, China on the outside looked really good. By the end of like month nine, month 10, um, we set out to basically, we got onto a college campus on China and you tell the gospel as many times as possible. We told it a bunch of times. And most of these were atheists and Buddhists, right? Yeah, yeah. Most of them are, yeah, they're, yeah, on the college campus in China. So they believe in what they believe in. Believe in myself is a big one too. I believe in myself. So, okay, well, let's talk about Jesus for a second. Um, so we did that a whole bunch of times. And the idea was to set up uh, a home church by the time you left. And so we actually had that happen. We had about 15 uh, Chinese friends that, that got saved, accepted Jesus into their life, and they set up a home church there. Uh, it kind of looked good. Um, we accomplished on the outside what we set out to do, but on the inside, it was a, one of the toughest years still to this day of my life. I could probably mark two or three other years that would kind of compete with that year being the toughest year of my life. Um, it was the first time I was gone from home. Some people pick like, you know, three hours down the road. Other people pick China, you know, <laughs> let's go around the whole world. Um, so it was the first year out and, um, I was having a really, really tough go, uh, especially the first couple months. Um, it was just very challenging. It was very tough. You think I'm going to go out, be in China, go on missions, and God's going to be close, and he's going to be there, and every moment, you know, he's going to be there. You're going to feel it and sense his presence, and he's going to fire around and point people out to you, and there was nothing. It went cold. It was like the darkness, like, wait, what the heck? I'm on the other side of the world doing something for you, and I'm, you're just putting me out on this branch. It's about to break. This doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right, and um, at about month two or month three, um, our city leader, because I went over with an organization, they, they left. They took off. They, they, uh, if, if I was going to say awesome. it this way, yeah, they abandoned the mission. Um, and uh, we didn't get all of the details for why that doesn't matter, but, but they left. And I remember that just added a lot. We had other good leaders still there, but it added, there was chaos all of a sudden. There was chaos on top of sadness. And I remember my dad called me about two and a half, three months in during that kind of moment. And he calls me on the phone. And my dad's old school. I got raised the old school way. It's like, if you start something, you finish. It's like, but dad, I'm five and half my leg is gone. Get in there. You started the game, son. What were you thinking? You should have known you had to finish it. Uh, like, he was that type of guy all the way through. And um, I remember, though, he called me about month three. He said, hey, I have 
my pulse to the ground. I know what's going on there. I know what's going on with you. I want you to know that if you leave, I'll support your decision. Not only that. So you're saying the guy who said <laughs> you don't quit anything ever actually gave you an out. Yes. Yeah. That's the first time I ever got an out from him. I think uh, a remarkable out from him uh, in my life was like, that was it. And not only, not only did he say, like, I'll, I'll support it. He said, I'll pay for the plane ticket back. Wow. So I was like, okay, wait a second. Let me think about this for a few days. Because uh, I, was, I was thinking about it. And I felt like I went into, you know, some time with the Lord and some journaling, just thinking through, like, do I want to leave this? Um, and I felt like kind of what you said, like, I got the keys from my dad to do it. And I got the keys from God, like, if you want to do this, you could do it. But I felt like the question was marked for me. is like, even from God to me, like, but who do you want to become? Come on. Because the decision you make now is not your dad's decision. It's not your mom's decision. It's not, it's not anybody other. It's not another adult leader in life. It's like, this is the beginning of your steps as a man, as your own man. Who are you, you going to be? And uh, I remember off of that kind of thinking I chose to stay, and we wrote out, and I wish I could say it got easier after that. It did not. It, in fact, it, there were months that were much worse. Um, and, and again, I remember many times just where it's like, God, like, where are you? But by the end of month nine, month ten, he revealed some things to me in that process that some, some lessons learned that have carried me through, even to this moment, have carried me through. There's been such a deep well that he poured in those those months in the lesson. So I want to I press lose. on that for a minute. So you were 19, and that was a mark. It was, when you look back, you did some great things in China, but you, when we've talked about it, you've marked that more of what God did in you than anything he did yeah. through you. Um, and so I know you agree that who we become is at least as important as what we do. Mm-hmm. You just said there were some marked things that still in this moment of help. What are some things that when you look back now at 32 to when you were 19 that God was doing in you then that was setting you up to be the man you wanted to be, to be successful in who he called you to be over the next, you know, now 14 years? Yeah, one of, one of them was just, I was, nine, if you, <laughs> you picture me now, or you guys know me now, it's like, at 19, I was the most emotional extrovert you ever met in your whole life. Like, it was wild. And uh, if I felt it, we did it. Like, I don't know, you know, if it feels right, you know, whatever. Uh, under the context of still following God, but... Uh, mostly. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> mostly is a good word. Mostly. Um, but I think that, that through nine or... I, so the last week, the last week, I was, I was journaling, and, I, and I, was, I was actually just being angry with God. And I was like, you deserted me. You left me. I was out here nine and a half, ten months just pouring my heart out. I, I, had, I led friends to Jesus, and you weren't around. I tried to worship you, and you weren't around. I, I, I remember trying to learn guitar just to worship you, and you weren't around. I remember praying, and you weren't around. I remember weeping on Christmas Day because nobody was in my dorm room, and my, my family was thousands of miles away, and you weren't around. Like, I felt nothing from you. I got nothing from you. And it was still probably the, the most, this was probably the, the, the most I've ever felt like God, like, gave me a specific vision, like, almost talked to me in a way like he expressed to me so clearly he goes what do you mean I wasn't around and I it was like I went through all of these memories through that I was leading someone to Jesus I was trying to worship and feeling nothing I was weeping in my room on Christmas Day. I was all of these moments and I literally it was like he was he was letting me know like in each and every memory like he was right there and then it kind of ended and he was like even when you don't see me or feel me I am with you come on 
Come on, that's so and, good. Yeah. That for like the guy who like, I didn't know two years later, I was at 21, they were gonna give me a youth group of 80 students and go like, here you go, go do this. Like by month three, all the feelings of this is so amazing had run dry. Like <laughs> I was gone. So it was like, oh, I needed that lesson at 19 in order to do it at 21. But then I did that for seven years. Then I've been here for four years and like, it doesn't, we don't, as adults, we don't feel it. We don't feel it. So knowing the knowledge of knowing, of knowing that I know that I know that I know, like God is here whether I see him or feel him, that That's has good. traveled with me forever and will travel with me That's forever. good. So that, specifically that. That's you, a massive like, one. I mean, there's a couple. Like God but, set you up for the rest of your life to go, even when you don't see me, even when you don't feel me, and when I feel distant, like he gave you a real moment to know that he's always, always. there. Man, I think yeah. there's probably some people that need to hear that today. Yeah. That, that like, with, when you look back, that he was sitting there. Um, you know, and, 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 and for me, it was the same thing. I talk often about my internship, that two years, I thought I was gonna go do great things and we were doing school yeah. assemblies, but really, it was all about God rewiring me and stripping me down and he was putting some key things in me that were gonna help me be the man, the father, the husband, the pastor, you know, someday. So I, yeah, and that tr it translates to marriage. It translates to my marriage. It's translated to kids. Right. You think I feel that every day? <laughs> you well, know? You, feel like, you feel like being her husband every day, right. but not those kids, right? I'm oh, yeah, say, I okay. feel like oh. being her husband yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every the kids aren't day. in here. I'm so talking you... about the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it does, it sets you up. And I think, I think that's huge because we live in a culture where there's kind of this myth, like if I didn't feel something, God wasn't there. Yeah. It's like that, that, that holds up in like no other culture in history other than yeah. Western culture. Um, I love it, man. Uh, so who, we, who you become, like how, what is, when, when we're living for somebody to be a good and faithful servant, who you become is more important or as important as what you do. And so I would put it to you this way, it's, as somebody who maybe wants to take, to take this in your own life, how focused are you on, on who you're becoming? Is it just about accomplishments or is it about the character, the nature, and the person that God, that you becoming who God made you to be? Well, the second thing I think that that means look, lived out when, when we think about how do you flesh out this good and faithful servant that we all wanna strive for at the end, I think there becomes an awareness um, and spiritual maturity kind of comes with this that you start to understand that the journey actually is the destination. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, you went, you grew up in Detroit, you went to New York, then you went to China, then you went back to New York. Then you came to Florida for four years. Now you're going back to New York. What test have you not passed in New York, by the way? Uh, but like, I don't know yet. <laughs> because there's been lots of germs. We're about to find I out, aren't know. we? I'm about to, hopefully, I'll pass it. Hey. Uh, uh, but what, like, you? But we, I mean, totally. Your life is a picture of like for you. It helped you to realize that it wasn't about the position at the time or the, the whatever moment at the time, but the journey really is the destination. Like, talk about that. Yeah, I, th I think I'm still trying to, to uh, figure this one out fully, right? And I, I think we all will until probably the day we die. Right, but right. Um, I think that right now I'm in a process where I'm like, um, when we're, we're, if we're trying to achieve a certain destination, there are certain sources that we, we're always drawing from like whether we know it or not, right? Like if I'm trying to accomplish something or achieve something in my life in order to get to that accomplishment or achievement, I'm drawing from something. So like I ran a half marathon when I was 29. A lot of the thing I drew from, and it is one of the primary sources I've drawn from a lot in my life, is anger, right? That's not the right answer. <laughs> you were just mad for 13 miles? <laughs> Dang. It got me through like the first six or seven miles, you know? Then you okay. got to find something else, but... <laughs> That's still a lot of anger. 
Yeah, there's a lot, man. It can boil up all the way back to middle school for that one. You know, yeah. I, mean, I drew from that anger, source of anger. Um, but that's been like, there's been sources of anger that I've drawn from throughout my life um, or, or the source of self-bravado, just like feeling really good, confident, but maybe not confident in the right thing, but confident in myself. So it's like I'm drawing from the, from the, the source of confidence or self-bravado. But eventually in like, that's why I say, like, it's, that's a raw question for me in this season, because even in this season, the last couple months, is like, I have lost the energy to be angry, which is a good thing, and I have, um, I have not felt really good about myself in order to So your to anger have, and self-bravado are out. They're out. My sources ran out. Those anger and self-bravado sources tap out. So then it's like, well, now what? And I think what you find is, like, if, the, if it's all about achieving or accomplishing the destination we learned really bad habits about like white knuckling or just trying to arrive somewhere, get somewhere, or do whatever it takes. But it's like when we look at the life of Jesus, he didn't do it that way. Right. He had a different thing he did. And so when you start to look at like, oh, wait a second, it's not about trying to achieve or cross just some mythical finish line, but instead we're trying to make the journey the destination. And what does that mean for us? That, it, what does journey, the journey even mean? The journey being about learning and growing mm. always. The journey equals. If we can make the journey equal to learning and growing, specifically within a purpose God's given us, that's a really deep well good. that we can always draw from. And even deeper than that, I can find enjoyment and fulfillment in those things. Wow. It doesn't have to be about anger. It doesn't have to be a self-bravado, but we can actually find enjoyment and fulfillment in the midst of the journey. Even in the midst of obstacles, we can find rich enjoyment in always learning. What, oh, what can I learn about this? What can I learn? We can bring curiosity to the table and go, oh, man, I'm enjoying mm-hmm. this new learning. And then the fulfillment in the growth and the purpose. Yeah. Like we have fulfillment in always, oh, but I'm, and I'm growing from this too. And there's a purpose that God's given me through it too. Right. And so I think when the journey becomes the destination and I'm working hard to make that, you know, about that this yeah. season, it's like anger and self-provado get, and that's the trick of anger, by the way, too. It will, it will fuel you up for a half a tank, but it runs dry fast. Hmm. And so. Well, and it's totally connected to the first one too is the, if it's always about who we're becoming, then there's always opportunities to learn and grow. Yeah. And, and what we're not saying is that, we're not saying that there, there's no place for dreams and goals. Have dreams, have, you wanna get married, that's great. That's a great goal. You wanna start a business, you wanna make six figures, seven figures. Those are great goals, those are great dreams. And there's, and, and there's a place for that in, in the kingdom. But so often I think we confuse the dream and the goal for the destination. Yeah. Once I get married, I've arrived. Once I get six figures, I've arrived. Once we have 2.3 children, I've arrived. Whatever the case may be, that's the average. <laughs> I don't know how it works, it's just the average. Uh, most homes that have three bodies running out, it's more like 2.3, if you think. Of, anyway, uh, but, but that whole idea of let's not, let's not confuse dreams and goals with destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd marriage counsel all the time. Like marriage is the beginning of a journey. It's not a destination. If you act like it's a destination, you didn't get married. You just got divorced. You know, uh, you just don't know it yet. And so we talked through that. And so I like, I like, I love the connection even to Mario because like in Mario, there's different levels. Sometimes you're above ground, you're below ground, you're in the clouds. Just like in life, there's different seasons. But what you're saying, and I think what we're saying is, man, if we, if we make learning and growing the destination, then that journey really can't, we can find that anywhere and everywhere. In fact, yeah. I kinda, we kind of coined this, that we, if we can find, find, if I find enjoyment and fulfillment in the things that God has for me today, and then allow him to work in me along the way. Like a, a nice little, like, I feel like Andy Stanley right now, if you know who that is. Uh, I came up with that all by myself. He's proud um, of us. Yeah, he watches me every weekend, I know. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so stupid. Uh, not him, me. Uh, but the journey is a destination. And then, and then the last one is, is, is simple, but it's not simple because I think the older we get, the more we achieve or accomplish, we actually, I, I, I hate to see, see it, but I think sometimes we kind of un, unintentionally graduate from this. And the third thing, what does it mean to be somebody who strives to live these, this good and faithful servant out is this reminder that it never stops being about helping other people. It never stops, no matter what goal or dream you achieved, no matter how much you've learned and grown, that should only make us ever better at being about other people. It, it goes back to what we talked about in week one of the series about your purpose. You were made for something bigger than yourself. Uh, and so, um, I mean, it's not really about other people. Wouldn't you agree Then it's really just about me and my accomplishments? Yeah, and I, I think that's the area that we can get hung up on a lot. And I would say, especially in America, but I think it's a worldwide issue. Like we love our accomplishments. And um, I, I think, again, if we look at the life of Jesus, it was never about accomplishments. You could argue Jesus had the highest potential ever, right? I mean, I wouldn't even argue that. I would just say that <laughs> Jesus had the highest potential you mean ever. Like He's the son of God. He walked on water. And yet his purpose was to die on a cross. So wow. if you talk about potential versus purpose, he chose purpose over potential. Wow. But so many of us are choosing our potential. And I, and I think that there are moments in my life even where it's like, it's got to be about helping other people. It has to be. Even our move now, I don't know if I'd be doing it if it wasn't about helping other people and doing what God's called us to do. So I, and I could, we talked about China. I could go to China and be like, Dude, I, like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's weird posturing, but I'm like, in, and when I look back on it 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I go, wait a second, we shared the gospel 240 times, 240 times in a 10-month span, I told the gospel. We had a handful of, we had 10 to 15 people accept Jesus in, in communist China. We had them showing up weekly on a Monday doing home church. We had a home church established by the time we left. Like, that was, yeah. I could, and I've been to China, that's unheard of. Yeah, like, I think there's, I don't know, there's certain moments where I'm like, man, I, God, like, pat me on the back. Let me be done with that one, you know? Like, let me be out. But he like, called me. Like, let you check your box and I'll go my live your life. And then go yeah. live my life. Like, let me go back to do business admin. My dad's a great entrepreneur. I could work for him, make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a great person all the time. Come on. <laughs> they, but, they know. Yeah. But then, but then I, 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 you know, we did youth ministry for, at New Life for seven years. And when I, you know, we, we did a bunch of surgery and things, but by the time, you know, when you called me, we had a good thing going. We had 100 people at the high school, uh, in the high school ministry. We had, your words were, you ruined my life. Yeah. That's what you said to me. I ruined your life. <laughs> you potentially ruined my life in that moment. I didn't know what was to come. But I, I, we had 100 people at the high school, and we worked hard to get there. We had another 50 people in the middle school. They had just made me, I was overseeing all of Next Gen, anyone ages 0 to 23. Um, and um, we had done, we had done uh, 27 different school assemblies or activities 20, to 27 different schools in that area. So, like, we were, we were doing it. Yeah. It was happening yeah. in our area, and I was a big part of it. And then you called, and it was like, I, hey, I'm thinking about this. And I'm like, well, what do you have going on over there? And he's like, well, you'd be the sixth youth pastor in three and a half years. I was like, that sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> well, it was. <laughs> you said it. Uh, but, but I think that's where it's like God's like, once when God says go, you go. Yeah. Period. But secondly, when he's like, hey, but there's other people here. Come on. Need. 
And that's what, like, God, I feel like, God, there's always another journey and there's always other people in need. And so even now, now we're here. We've been here for four years. It took us about two years to get acclimated to Florida, but then we got, even on a personal level, we bought the house. We got a pool in our backyard, people. We have a pool in our backyard. No. I never thought I'd say that sentence. You had. No, I still have it for, hey, I got it for seven more hours. <laughs> I have a pool in my backyard. I got two kids. You know, me and my wife settled in here. Our, our youth ministry here, we, find, we built good foundation. We went through COVID. We went through the tough years. We're seeing 200 high school students. We've got 100 middle school students. We're, 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 cru- we're cruising. We're crushing. But God is like, hey, it's time. I've got some, another journey for you. I've got other people in need. Um, and, and I think when that happens, that's when you... I think that's when it gets checked, like, is this about your accomplishments? Because if it is, you ride out in the sunset. And I definitely ride out in the sunset in southwest Florida. <laughs> but, when, again, when the, first, the first moment when I first went to China, it was a message that was all about go. Hmm. It was about go. God said, go make disciples. And for the whole, my whole life, I hope to always lean into that and go Make disciples. And if he calls us, we accept the journey that he has for us. That's good. That's good. So quick recap. As, as we strive to be these people who hear Jesus one day say, good and faithful servant, well done. What does that look like? It's that reminder that who we are and who we become is more important than what we do. It's that idea, reminder that the journey is about the learning and growing. And that actually is the destination. And that it never, ever stops being about helping other people, no matter what industry, no matter what your context is. And so uh, we got a couple minutes left. And so I would ask you this one last question. You've been here four years. You're gonna go take a, be a lead pastor. Um, you're gonna be amazing at it. It's gonna be the hardest and best time of your life. If you could leave your church that you've been with for four years, one last thought, what would you say to us? I would say, and I said this to Movement on Wednesday. It was my last statement to them is my last statement to what I wrote I wrote in the seniors we gave them 30 books it was uh it was Jesus is by Judah Smith and I wrote in the front cover and I ended every one of them with find Jesus and follow him and I think uh I think and I hope that that's the story of my life I hope that I always am finding him and following him. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate finding him, but he's there. He's waiting for us. Sometimes you got to take a kayak out there to find him. Sometimes you got to get in your lanai and shut off all the noise. Sometimes you got to open a journal up. Sometimes you got to open a book up, but he's waiting for you to find him. I believe what the Bible says that he's at the door of our hearts knocking. And, but then once we find him, follow him. It's hard sometimes to give up the stuff that we think or the opinions or the preferences that we have, but I've never regretted following him. I've never looked back. I've never looked back, not a day in my life, and regretted following what he's called me into, the way he wants me to say it, the way he wants me to do it, the way he wants me to construct the life that he's given us. And it would look different for all of us. That's the beauty of it because we're nuanced and we're complex and he created us. But I would encourage you all deeply, find Jesus and follow him with everything Amen. you do. So good. I think 
because what you just said is the essence of who you are is why I love you so much. Because it's not about building a name or status, but it's always been about the dirty work of finding Jesus and following him. And, and you're not saying find a religion. You're not saying find a community. You're not saying go to church. That's sometimes a part of it. But you're saying find the actual Jesus and follow him. And, and that's, I know it's been my journey. It's been yours. And um, man, we are, we are tremendously gonna miss Joseph and Sierra and Eden and Zion. And so... Um, what I want to do as we close is I, I wanted you to hear from him, but I hope you were listening because there was a lot for us to, to take away. There's a lot, but, but you just got to hear, I mean, he's only 32, but it's legacy at this point. It's that's your life. You gave us your heart. And so, um, before we leave, um, Joseph isn't the only one that's worked here. His wife, Sierra has been on staff with us for over the last two years. She's our volunteer coordinator, runs all the red shirts. She's been a huge addition to our team. And what you need to know is, yeah, she's been amazing. She had the biggest team. Uh, and what I know that you guys don't know, she did a lot of her own deep work as well. And, and they're healthy and they're ready. And so I thought it would only be appropriate to close the service by praying over them and sending them out. We wanna make sure that they don't just feel released, but they feel sent. And so Sierra, if you would join us and Pastor Dennis and Mac and uh, Mike from the board, I wanna have just some of our elders, our leadership come. And we just wanna, we're not gonna take a long time, but just pray a prayer of blessing um, over them. Just so you know, we've been doing this all week. We did it with youth, we did it with staff. We've had getaways and breakfasts and thank yous and we've given them gifts. Um, but uh, this is like my little brother and um, man, we, we believe that and we were gonna pray that the, the, the fruit, the, the seeds that they've sown here, that they get to reap the harvest uh, in New York. And, and I'll just be honest, they're going to a place where ministry's harder than it is here right now. It is, uh, but you're a fighter from Detroit <laughs> and you remind him about the battles that are worth fighting and the ones that aren't. Um, and you guys are a, a, power, a power couple and so, um, I'm gonna, I wanna close, um, pray, and then I'm gonna say just a couple quick things, but just wanna invite you, just extend your hearts. If you, if you feel comfortable, you wanna reach out your hand as if you're just like uh, extending your support to them. Um, we just wanna pray over them and send them. And, and so, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible couple. I thank you for Joseph and Sierra Gilchrist and the plan that you've had for them all along, that the journey really has been the destination from marriage to parenthood um, to ministry. And um, one of the things that I know and love about them is that it's always been about finding you and following you. And um, in a lot of ways, following you down here didn't make sense four years ago. And now maybe following you back to New York doesn't make sense now, but it's always been about the go and the yes. And so God, as a church, as a board, as a staff, we send them to New York. God, we ask that you would cover them, watch over them, protect their minds, their hearts, their bodies, their property, their, their children, God. And we pray that you would provide for them what they need to build what you wanna build up there, to build their family, to build a church that will reach people. And God, we pray that, that they would reap a hundredfold harvest for all of the seeds that they've invested into your kingdom, whether it be in China or at Cape Christian or New Life the first time around. And God, we pray that, that they would know that there is a church behind them that loves them, that this is always home away from home, especially in the winter when it's just horrible up there. And God, we just pray that, that every time that they get down, that you would encourage them, remind them that, that, that you are with them and that there is a, a, a massive cheering section cheering them on, going, we, we believe in you and we love you. And I pray that they would know that from you and they would know that from Cape Christian. And so we send them gladly. These are your children. These are your grown son and daughter. So do with them what you will, God, and watch over them, protect them, and may your hand be ever before them every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, yeah. Thank you.
No, you can't leave. Stay here. You're not, you're not dismissed. So you didn't know this, but um, Joseph's a golfer. He's not as good as me, but he likes to golf. Um, but in golf, when you stay standing, because this will take a second. When in golf, if you play in a major tournament and you win, you get to take the flag home from the 18th green. And so we made this not just for this series, but you and Sierra get to take this home. And hopefully you put it in your garage, your basement, your office, or you might throw it away. If you throw it away, send it back to me. But it's just your reminder that for four years here, you won and that you get to take the flag home with you. This is for both of you. And I just want to give that to you. We're going to need it back for four more services, but I want to give that to you. Um, that's that's, so that's your flag, baby. That's your flag. You, you might, dude, you, you might be like Happy Gilmore, the only flag you ever go in. So you better keep it. Um, as, it goes, as far as it goes to the church I love so much, the best thing he said the whole time was the last thing he said. Find Jesus and follow him. And every weekend we give an opportunity. If you've maybe been a distance or you've never found him, we just always wanna make the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to find him. And he said it, that Jesus is standing at the door of your life and your heart knocking and he just wants you to invite him in. And if that's you, just right now where you're at in your heart, you can just invite him in. Um, and if you're ready to make that decision, we have made it easy and we wanna help you. And so if that's you, we wanna help you with that. So text, get your phone out before you leave and text Cape Yes to 94000. I'm gonna send you a video. We're gonna encourage you. We're gonna welcome you to the family of God. But everybody deserves to know, to, to know the love of God and to be a part of his kingdom and his family. And we never wanna miss that invitation. And so um, if that's you, um, do that and, and let somebody know. Um, we got a uh, connect desk for, for questions. And then if you're carrying some heavy stuff and you need somebody to listen to you, you need somebody to cry with you, you need somebody to pray for you. We have a ministry team that has been waiting all week just to, to, to pour into you in our prayer room and they would love to do that. I'd love to pray over you and then we're gonna dismiss uh, as we wrap up our gamer series and um, Joseph and Sierra are gonna be in here out in the lobby and I know many of you are gonna wanna say goodbye to them. Um, uh, uh, and so I uh, wanna give you that opportunity to do so. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this season. And God, I thank you that, that for all of us, that you're not done with us, that the journey is the destination that who we become is as important as what we do. And so God, I pray that you would continue to work in us to do your will and your work so that we can be who you made us to do and do what you created us to do. May we honor you by what we do and how we do it. And may the world know that there is still a God in heaven and you, you alone are worth all the hope and all the praise in Jesus' name, amen.